the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, here we go. It's that time of year again. Our J1 season previews are getting rolling. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really good, Ben. I'm really excited for this because, you know, regular listeners will know we've been back for a few weeks now in the Asian Cup, but we've kind of separated J-League and Asian Cup out into separate universes. So I'm really hyped for this this episode. We've got an excellent guest and we've got, got two heavyweight teams that I think are going to be up the top of the league and then three other teams. I'm sure we'll have different opinions on how well or otherwise they're going to do. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to get into this tonight. Uh, how about you, Ben? How, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, as well prepped as I think I can be for these uh, five particular clubs. And uh, yeah, let's welcome in our guest coming to us live via satellite from Bangkok, where he's uh, running reconnaissance on Cerezo Osaka's preseason. It's a uh, big happy new season to Alan Gibson. Alan, welcome back to the pod. How are you? Yeah, everything's cool. Uh, just, uh, just an objection to Johnny. Did he, did he call me the heavyweight guest? <laughs> yeah, I was referring to Viso Kobe and Sam Fletcher Hiroshima. Sorry, I, I called you an excellent guest, Alan. Yeah, no, it was very nice of you to say that too. Yeah, I'm in Bangkok. I'm having a, a great time, a tiring time, because um, keeping up with uh, Cerezo. And um, I'm glad this podcast came in though, because you know there's nothing else to do in Bangkok at night. So you know, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for this. So thank you very, thank you for inviting. <laughs> Yes, we very much appreciate you taking time out of um, goodness knows what you're getting up to in Bangkok, Alan. I think it's probably best if we uh, leave that to the listeners' imagination. But, yeah, we've got you for, well, yeah, however long it takes us to get through these uh, five particular clubs, uh, the four Kansai clubs in J1 and uh, Hiroshima as well. So, yeah, as we uh, start recording on Monday night, our intention is to uh, yeah cover all five of these clubs in the one podcast episode. But uh, listeners, as you might be aware, these uh, preview episodes do tend to, uh, well, they do tend to go on a bit, but uh, that's okay, isn't it? It's a podcast and uh, you can skip through and listen at your leisure. But uh, yeah, if uh, if uh, we do go on a little bit too long, this, uh, this might be broken up into two separate podcasts. And I'll just give you a brief overview of what we're hoping to cover for each of these clubs. Um, very similar to uh, last year's Set up. If you listen to our previews last year, we'll have a brief recap of the club's 2023 season and uh, previous seasons as well, if that is relevant and or interesting. Uh, the major transfers out and in for each club. Uh, a bit on the manager, if he's not covered in depth in our uh, previous discussions uh, before we get to that point a uh, player to watch could be a new signing could be a youngster or an emerging talent or just a player that we're uh, looking forward to watching from uh, from that club in 2024 before we uh, wrap things up with the the I guess the overall prospects and outlook for that club in 2024 and uh, for our patrons once again this year our supporters on Patreon get the added bonus of Johnny's depth charts. Uh, Johnny's already sent me uh, the the depth charts for these five clubs, and actually the post is already made and uh, ready to go. So that will be coming out uh, almost straight away as soon as the podcast is posted to our patrons, hopefully on Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, Johnny, just uh, yeah, fill us in on uh, how you uh, go about putting these uh, depth charts uh, together for our patrons. 
Well, th thanks very much, Ben. So, yeah, I think for, for people who, who followed my blog before, and they, I think they'll be, be very familiar with, with what I do, um, for, for anyone who, who needs a bit of a refresher or anyone new, it, but basically, it, one thing to make clear, it's not an attempt to predict the starting lineup for, for round one. It's more trying to work out the correct formation, which I've done, and then also you'll have like guests like Alan's on this week, and we'll have club-specific guests on in the future, might be able to add a bit more depth to what I, I've put, but... Basically, you know, when you see the kind of average positions of players, sometimes at halftime or full time, I've basically gone for that with like average starting lineup. It might not be the starting 11 every week, but essentially it's the 11 players I think will play the, the most often. Granted, I can't predict injuries or what, what's going to happen in the middle of the season, but, but definitely from the, the, the beginning of the season, that, that kind of team with the, the kind of added, added caveat that I have included players who are currently injured that, that might come back, and I think they'll play quite a significant part in the season. I think uh, Mitski Saito is the only player I've actually excluded on injury basis because uh, you know he's obviously got a bit of a horrific injury, and I'm I'm no doctor, but um, I, I struggle to see him making anything more than a kind of handful of, of cameo appearances. Um, yeah, you might see the same you might see the same player appearing in two two different times in two different positions, but never as a starter twice, just to show that. They can play in other places, and I think it helps to highlight where clubs, you know, for example, I think we'll come on to both both uh, Osaka clubs have a lot of depth in a certain area, maybe not as much elsewhere. I think for me anyway, it helps to really understand that. And yeah, but basically my, my usual final caveat: the clubs with the same manager and a low staff turnover naturally a bit easier to predict. This year, actually, surprisingly, teams like Kawasaki and Urawa and Nagoya that are usually quite easy to do have been quite quite difficult. So. It'll be interesting to see the results, but yeah, I look forward to, to any feedback anyone has and also, again, listen to what the guests have to say because they'll be able to add extra points to what I've already put out. But yeah, I hope everyone enjoys it. Yep, absolutely tremendous, Johnny. Uh, it's a uh, absolutely fantastic resource for our uh, our patrons, uh, especially those who maybe partake in a fantasy football or uh, so rare. It's uh, yeah, very comprehensive uh, look at each particular team and yeah, a, a fantastic resource that I uh, look at. Um, yeah, a, a lot when I'm uh, planning my fantasy team, that's for definite. We uh, Speaking of our patrons, we do have some questions from them to get through on these uh, five clubs. And with that in mind, uh, Johnny and Alan, please check your line because I'm about to send you a question from Sam Robson that just came in fashionably late. But uh, yes, we'll, uh, we'll manage to squeeze it in for you, Sam. Uh, don't worry. Uh, so with uh, uh, Alan on the ground in Bangkok, we thought, why don't we start this episode with uh, Cerezo Osaka? We're running through the uh, the four Kansai clubs and Hiroshima, as we said at the start. So for Cerezo, then a, a quick look back at their 2023. They ended up ninth. Uh, that came after three top six finishes in the previous Four seasons. They were fourth after match day 26, guys, after a third straight win. They were only seven points behind Kobe at that time, but then they only won once with a draw and only one goal scored in their last eight games. And yes, they finished at ninth in the table, uh, ultimately the very definition of mid-table after uh, spending yeah most of the season in and around the top six. Only five teams scored fewer than their 39 league goals. And uh, Leo Ciara, where would they have been without him? He got almost a third of their league goals, scoring 12. But they had the joint fourth best 
goals against column in the top flight, uh, letting in exactly a goal a game, uh, 34 goals in 34 games. So, uh, Alan, I'll come to you first. Uh, yeah, 2023, it ended up being a, a very rough year after uh, for Cerezo after it promised so much at different times. Indeed, I thought they looked very good for a challenging Vissel Kobe at certain times. As you mentioned, they were doing very well, but, you know, that... Uh ending for the season for them was, was not quite as bad as their neighbours at Gamba, but um, they didn't do very well. I mean, the manager was always, I think he was very realistic and he always mentioned in uh, press conferences or just offhand to me sometimes, you know, top five, top five, we're aiming for top five, top five. And um looked like they were going to get their target, even if top five isn't that much of a, uh, you know, a big uh, target. But uh, in the end, no, they failed miserably towards the end of the season and they'll be very sad about that. So what have they done about it? Well, yeah, let's run through the uh, the transfers, uh, Johnny. Again, these are the major ones that I pulled out. You're more than welcome, to obviously, to add some more names, uh, either those leaving or those coming in that you think will uh, will have an impact. So uh, out of defence, they've lost quite a number of, uh, well, household names in J-League circles anyway. Uh, Mate Jonic, uh, Ryosuke Yamanaka and uh, Yusuke Marohashi, have uh, have departed as well as Riku Matsuda. So a number of uh, defenders that they'd been relying on over the last few seasons. But of course, uh, Matsuda had been uh, loaned out to, in the second half of last season after uh, Seiya Maikuma's emergence. They've also lost uh, Tokuma Suzuki and uh, Hikaru Nakahara. So yeah, some uh, some big names out of the defence especially. And in they've uh, they've brought in Shunta Tanaka from Sapporo, uh, Kyohei Noborizato from Kawasaki, Yuichi Hirano from Urawa, and a couple of Brazilians. One we know a lot about, Lucas Fernandez, for also from Sapporo, and a an interesting uh, Brazilian attacking midfielder, Vitor Bueno from Atlético Paranaense. So uh, overall, how do you think they've uh, handled the the transfer market, and uh, will their their moves help them uh, edge back up the table? Do you? Quite a lot to, to unpick there, Ben. I think it was really interesting what you said about, about last season, that, that Sarazo's defence was, was very solid, because actually the, the players you mentioned, like like Jonic, he didn't play as much towards the, the back end of the season. Matsuda had been, been loaned out, and uh, Maruhashi, I think he, like Alan, he had a spell in, in Thailand, and then he came back and didn't didn't play very much. Um, uh, so th- there definitely was a, an attempt to, to make the defence younger, with like Maikuma and Funaki and um, uh, Toriyumi and, and Shindo at the back. Um, and then obviously the midfield was, was quite old. And, and like you mentioned, Ciara was great up front. So um, I think really kind of looking at Sarasota, the, the midfield is the area you'd have to, to question because the year before was Kogiku's first full season in charge. Um, and then he's obviously, he did very well. And then he's tried to build on that. He's brought in Ciara, who, who did, uh, like I say, he was, he, was, he was excellent at times. And then the fences stood firm with the two really good uh, South Korean goalkeepers and defenders did pretty well. And then you have the kind of Kagawa conundrum in the mid- middle. Like, how good is he? If you were to take him out, would that actually help improve things? And they brought in some new, new wingers from overseas and it just didn't seem to click. It seemed to go wrong somewhere in the middle because... You know, Sarazo fell away at the end, but it actually kind of statistically they'd overperformed, I think, up until that point. So, you know, ninth, eighth, that, that was about the, their level, which was a was a fallback. So, yeah, interesting to see to see the signings. Like, if if you look at the, the outs first, that there's a few names, but considering that the, the, the eleven they were putting out at the end of last season, you could make an argument that none of those were guaranteed starters anymore in the first place, despite the fact that some experience is gone. 
And, I mean, the fact that Jonic, um, Madahashi and Matsuda especially have gone from defence and then they brought in 33-year-old Kyohei Nobodizato, who's a good player and a, a great guy, but at that age, like, what, what are they trying to do? There's quite a few veterans in the squad anyway, Kagawa, um, Kiyotake, Kim Jin Hyun uh, amongst them. Um, so interesting to see where, where they go with, with that. I think with the signings they've brought in, that this guy, Vitor Bueno, I don't know a lot about him, but anything I've researched sounds, sounds, he seems like of all the kind of new players to come into the league, he's the one I'm most excited about seeing. He seems to be a bit of a number 10 second striker. I'll bring Alan in in a minute to see exactly where he's going to play because you know last year they started off in a 4-4-2 and then it sort of merged into a kind of 4-3-3 slash 4-1-4-1. I don't know if they'll maybe go 4-2-3-1 to try and fit him in just playing off the, the, the top of um, Ciara. And then, obviously, Fernandez was a wing-back at Sapporo. I'm assuming he's going to play in the wing. He can play right wing, he can play left wing. He could possibly even play full-back as well. So I think he's been a very, very, very useful, very versatile player. Um, it, it does leave the question, because they now have seven foreigners in the books, including the two South Korean goalkeepers they can manage. But it does look like they've got a winger too many. So I don't know if Jordi Crooks may be on the, the way out at, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think we're going to, if boy is the time to, to turn to Alan, I think Shunta Tanaka was a was a right-sided centre-back at, at Sapporo. I've got my, my Mekan from last season, which says he wants to play in central midfield. It doesn't say he is a central midfielder, but as we know now, he didn't play there at all. He was a fixture on the right side of defence. But Serizo, we believe, Alan, are going to play him in the, in the midfield role. So, I mean, your thoughts on, on, on all those signings, but especially T- Tanaka and Fernandez. How are they going to fit them into the system? And and do you know, what do you make of, of Vitor Bueno? Well, <clears throat> that's a lot to unpack there, as you just said. Um, I, I saw it today. I, I think uh, Celso used 21 or 22 players today, so there wasn't too much that you could really unpack from it. And uh, they have a few injuries, um, which is sad. But I, I did speak to the manager one-on-one about 20 minutes before the game. He was very nice. He was like happy to see me, and we just chatted away. And um, he, I, my concern was that they don't really have a ready-made forward to go with Leo Sierra. Um, they've got a few out on loan that haven't come back yet, like uh, Fujio at uh, Zelvia, for example, who's uh, reasonably decent. Yamada Hiroto just came back from Vegal to Sendai, and Motohiro Nakajima is also still on loan at Vegal to Sendai. And they haven't quite made it yet, but um, so I really basically asked him what he wants to do. And uh, he told me that they're looking at four, two, three, one, perhaps with three quite attacking players, or even 4-1-4-1 uh, with Leo Sierra as the main guy and somebody backing him up. But he told me that um, Ryo Watanabe is his hope to be the other forward. And um, he's uh, been mostly injured last season. I mean, he didn't get much chances, but um, he said that he's basically he'd been injured. And he even said that today he's playing, but he's also just come back from an injury. So I don't know if he's injury prone or it was the same injury. But uh, Watanabe did very well today. And I think he got two goals, or certainly I'll credit him with one. And uh, so, you know, might might be okay after all that. Uh, Vitor Bueno, bueno, as they call him, uh, Vitor Fresarin Beno. Um, (laughs) He was um, playing just below the strikers. If it was 4-2-3-1, he'd be in the middle of that three. And uh, he's very right-footed. He he obviously wanted to get the ball on his right foot, I noticed. Uh, He took a free kick that was very close from about 25 yards, so... I think he wants to get in on the action. He, he did some nice passes. He played about 65 minutes, obviously not quite fit enough yet, but um, he looks very useful. Um, the key for me today was, even though there were some injuries and um, 
plenty of players that uh, Kagawa Shinji, or Shinji Kagawa, as we will call him in this English podcast, uh, was in the, the second half or the second team, you might, might say. Basically, it started with um, people that I would expect to be in the first 11. And then the second half is basically people I'd expect to be in the second 11 with Shinji Kagawa, which um, was that very telling or was he just leading the second team? I'm not sure yet. Um, we'll see. But going, going back to the um, ins and outs, I don't think um, I think there's only one player that they were perhaps surprised or would have liked to have hold, held on to. And that's uh, Yamanaka at left back. Um, I think he's the only guy that they'd really probably wanted to keep. I think Jonic was released. They didn't try to keep him. Matsuda was already out on loan and they didn't want to keep him because they have Maikuma at least and plenty of others. Maruhashi was being edged out. He was in Thailand, as you said, on loan. Then he came back and he was definitely on the way out too. So uh, I think they've um, basically they've trimmed the dead wood, for want of a better word. And Yamanaka might have been the only player that uh, they wanted to keep, which may be why they've suddenly gone in for Nobori Zato uh, at left back to uh, give them some experience there because uh, otherwise I think they've done exactly what they wanted. Um, and then going back to your, your two wingers situation and too many foreigners, I do believe that Crooks was also on the way out. They they wanted to unload him. Um, Considole were touted and I heard that Considole were close to getting him. But in the end, it fell through and I'm not sure that Crooks is, was in the plans for this season. Um, on the other hand, he did score the opening goal today and played very well. <laughs> uh, today, or if it means anything, for the first half, Kim started in goal. Uh, because Maikuma was out um, and because they've got these extra wingers, uh, Fernandez actually started at right back and Cruz mm-hmm. was in front of him. Um, I think both Toriyumi and uh, Nishio are either injured or weren't in favour, but I think they were both injured today. So Shindo played the first half and Shindo was captain as well. So I think... Uh, it looks like one of the centre-backs may well be Shindo as a starter. And I expect Toriyumi is the other one. So they've got a decent defence in Maikuma, Toriyumi, Shindo and Noborizato. And then um, it's up to, I think, six or seven or even eight midfielders to choose from. So I think he's got a good choice in the midfield. And now he's got to find out who are the best ones. And then hopefully Watanabe is the, the key to, to going if he's going for 4-4-2. Um, but as I say, I think their only weakness would be uh, their second forward. And um, they're hoping it's going to be Watanabe. So I enjoyed the first half today. And by the way, talking of Shunta Tanaka, he did start uh, in central midfield and did not look out of place. All right. Well, that looks like it might become a thing then. Yes, uh, Tanaka moving over from Sapporo and, yeah, maybe getting his wish of uh, playing uh, in the centre of the park. All right, then. So uh, we've mentioned him in passing already. But the manager, Akio Kogiku, is starting his uh, third full season uh, at Cerezo after taking over from Le Viracupi in August of 2021. He's provided some stability after the club went through eight managers in seven and a half years before he arrived. But, Johnny, he may not be around for too much longer if their swoon at the end of 2023 carries into the new campaign. What do you think? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I like Kogiku. I, I like since he's come into Cerezo. He's, he's a, a calming presence. It, there's been a couple of storms, obviously, with Inui, but I think he's kind of came through that quite well. Um, he, he knows the place inside out, and I think I actually said before he became coach, because it seems to have a recurring theme, Sarah, so you get rid of a few veterans, then become very old again, then have to get rid of a few veterans again. So I, I think I said something like he, he could be the person to kind of put the consoling arm in someone's shoulder and tell them that the time's up. But as has happened with the likes of Matsuda and, 
and Marahashi and, and Jonic. Um, you know, in midfield, they've still got a few veterans. We've still got Kim Jin-Jun still on top of his form in, in net. So, you know, he's probably got, got some issues go, going forward about the squad age. But like as Alan said, it, it seems like it's, it's a squad built for, for what he wants to do. So, yeah, the, the start will be very interesting because you've had that, you know, one goal in, in eight games is, is horrible for anyone at any level. So given that Sarah's have been almost a fixture in the, the top half for the past sort of decade, it really is unacceptable. And with the quality of player they have in the squad, that they're going to have to get that fixed. I, I, he's one of these kind of people, because he's been in the club so long, I think he's, you know, if we're going to go into Gamba in a minute, I think it's a bit easier for Gamba to get rid of Danny Poyatas than it is for Sarazo to get rid of Kogiku. I, I don't, I think, like the signings they've made, and as Alan mentioned, that they haven't really lost anyone that they, they didn't want to. I think Sarazo will be okay. I, I'm not convinced of, like they'll be up near the top of the league or anything, but I don't think they'll start in a disastrous fashion. It would lead to the manager going. Um, I think things will kind of go on a bit. Uh, he seems like a decent, decent guy. So I, I hope he's, I hope he has success. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you say, he's not, he's not going to survive if he keeps going on runs of one goal in eight games and just four points. I, I know you're obviously a bit closer to, to Kogiku than, than either of us, Alan. Is there a feeling that he is under a bit of pressure? Like, has he said anything about how disappointed he was or the pressure he felt how things ended at the end of last season? Uh, yeah, he was very obviously disappointed. That's that's his job, I guess. He's got to he's got to show disappointment and and do something about it. And I think uh, he has done with the players that we've mentioned in and outs. And um, they looked very decent today. They were passing the ball around. They were all they were pl- playing with smile on their face, for want of a better word. Um, the new players were were taking the piss out of the the old you know the players that were there. I mean, they're obviously very close already. And um, as we mentioned on the podcast before, he's he's a Sereso man through and through. I mean, he came through the youth system and brought a lot of these players through with him. Um, and uh, I think that that may be a problem where it, when it comes to Shinji Kagawa because he's mm. one of his young boys, and now he's a he's an older boy. And uh, but today, I mean, he didn't start the game. And I think um, if Kagawa and even Kiyotake, um, who, who did play today, by the way, he's, he's fit after all this time, he seemed to be okay. Um, I think Kiyotake and Kagawa um, will have a steadying influence at times, but I think those two players are ones that need to be handled carefully and uh, to be dropped when needed and or, or on the bench and come in for 20 minutes at the end if, if necessary. But um, I think he needs to rebuild without those two in the middle. So we'll see. Um, there is guys, but he doesn't seem to have that weakness where he's uh, going to stick to them just because, you know, he knows them very well. He obviously, uh, yeah, 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 I think he's got he's got the dressing room, shall we say, for want of a better word, you know, to use a, a cliche. And uh, I don't think he's feeling the pressure yet. Uh, I think that season is gone. It's all over. It's done with. He's got new players. He's got rid of some junk. And uh, we'll see. I mean, he needs uh, th- three or four decent results in the, the first five, shall we say. But um, don't we all? Doesn't every team? Uh, I don't think there'll be any undue pressure at the moment. I don't think they'll be even considering looking for someone else yet. Yep. Okay then. So if we move on to uh, yeah, players to watch then in uh, in 2024. I'm uh, personally tempted to say Satoki Wajo again just because I like him. But I think uh, well, obviously one of the uh, the weaknesses of the Cerezo squad last year was the over dependence on uh, Leo Ciara for goals so, so yeah my one to watch and i don't know if i'm stealing from uh, from either of you guys but yeah it's uh, it's vitor bueno for me hopefully for uh, cerezo and their supporters he can provide the ammunition for ciara and also support him in terms of uh, goals himself uh, that could go a long way 
to uh, to nudging Cerezo up the table. But uh, yeah, they've obviously got a a history of producing prodigious talent. Um, yeah, so many uh, to name over the years. The likes of uh, Kagawa and Kiyotake we've already mentioned, uh, Minamino, Inui, etc., etc. And yeah, it looks like Seiya Maikuma is, uh, well, the next cab off the rank or one of the next cabs off the rank. So, uh, Alan, if I come back to you, who's your player to watch for uh, Cerezo in 2023, uh, 2024, excuse me. Yeah, I think I basically mentioned the guys that I think need to be watched. Um, the, the ironic thing is that Fujio Shota at Zalvia, Nakajima Motohiro at Vigalta, and Nishikawa Jun, who's out on loan at Iwaki FC, all three of those are uh, well, two forwards and an attacking midfield player who are not at Cerezo, but I think those three are the ones that to watch. So one of them needs to come back and 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 be what he can be and show his potential. Um, but if we have to stay with the uh, people at Cerezo at the moment, then I'll go for Watanabe. I think um, if he's on form and if he's fit, if he stays healthy, he could be that second forward that they really need to uh, actually make a team. And Johnny, who's yours? Well, you stole mine in Vitor Bueno, but luckily I'd, I'd foreseen that mine might get stolen. So I, I've lined up um, Lucas Fernandez um, as, as my, my one to watch. Uh, again, I think Sam and I had a discussion last year when, when Canico went to, to Europe about sometimes fitting uh, Sapporo players into to your lineup is not the easiest thing. So how well does Fernandez do in a position he hasn't really, uh, I assume Sarah's are not going to play with wingbacks, in a position he hasn't occupied perhaps for, for, for many a year? And does he play in the right? Does he play in the left? Does he actually end up at, at fullback, if, particularly if Mike Kuma was to leave it in the summer? Uh, I think he is a very good good player, but and again, Sapporo did finish below Cerezo in the league last year and they've been around mid-table. So it, are him and Tanaka essentially, are, are they good enough steps in the right direction to, to really kick Cerezo back into the, the, the top six? He's always a dynamic player. He gets a few assists and he always seems to catch the eye. So I definitely point him out. And I know we did get a, a kind of quick question from, from Peter about young players. I would mention young uh, Rea Sakata, who got a few minutes towards the the back end of last season. But again, he is kind of crowded out with, with some of the other wingers there. I don't know if they'll give him some more game time or if he might go out and loan to, to J2, but but uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on his, his career. I don't know. Alan, did he play today, Sakata? Uh, it didn't catch my eye, shall we say. <laughs> um, I don't remember seeing him play. Um, I was trying to work out who the, who all the players were on the in the second half while I was uh, busy I wasn't drinking myself, of course, but there was quite a little party going on, on the side of the <laughs> from some fans who had managed to find the game. A Thai fans, that is not Japanese. There weren't any Japanese people there, but, um, but I didn't. I didn't see him. Uh, Sedeso won four two, by the way. Um, they went two nil at half time, then they they went down to two two with the basically what we call the second team, and then uh, managed a couple of late goals and ended up four two. But um, no, the, the young man didn't catch my eye today, shall we say? Keep your eyes peeled for future, though. Will do. All right, so let's wrap up Cerezo then. What are your, uh, yeah, I guess, what are your prospects? What's your outlook for them for 2024, Alan? Um, For me, it's hard to see them climbing too far with, uh, obviously, teams around them strengthening uh, in the offseason. For me, yeah, they're likely to be hanging around on the coattails of the top six for for most of the season. But, yeah, I don't see them uh, climbing too much higher than that. How about yourself? Nail on the head there. I think you said exactly what I was going to say. I mean, basically... I think they've got the, uh, the, the, well, they may, if everybody stays fit and they, for example, Watanabe scores some goals, they may have the quality to, to hit the top five or the top four. But other teams are also, as you say, building nicely. Um, and uh, I think they'll 
you know, they'll do well to come top six and probably more likely to be seventh or eighth, yeah. So, agreed. All right, and the last word on Cerezo is yours, Johnny. Yeah, I actually thought we might disagree on this, but I think everyone's basically got the, the same opinion. I don't think there have been too many people's J-Preds. J- I think, yeah, but Bueno is key and also the two two guys from, from Sapporo. If that all clicks, and as Alan said, if, if Watanabe starts scoring goals, then yeah, why not? Why not fourth, fifth, sixth? But yeah, maybe I think eighth to eighth to eleventh, maybe. Uh, uh, current uh, football's not played on paper, but currently I think looking at all the squads, maybe some somewhere in the middle, uh, around where they were last year, yeah. Yep, okay then. So uh, let's move on to the other half of Osaka. And uh, as I uh, review their uh, 2023 season uh, for for Gumba Osaka, it's a difficult listening, I'm sure, for both the Johnny and Alan, who uh, yeah have a very strong Gumba leanings. It was a 16th placed finish for the black and blue half of Osaka after 15th in 2022 and 13th in 2021 that came after of course their second place finish in 2020 so they've uh, slipped right down to the wrong end of the table only one win in the first 14 league games Gumba were bottom at that point they then won seven in an eight game unbeaten run and rose to 12th but didn't win in their last seven uh, the last 10 games excuse me lost the last seven and as I said finished uh, 16th just at five points ahead of Yokohama FC, who, of course, were the only team relegated in 2023. They had the fifth lowest goals for column, only scoring 38 goals last season, and the joint worst goals against. Uh, they uh, they and Sapporo both conceded 61 goals uh, last season. So what have they done to try and haul themselves out of the muck? Well, um, let's start with the transfers out. They've uh, seen Kosei Tani, the goalkeeper, return from his loan in Belgium, and then he's been uh, loaned out to Machida Zelvia. Uh, centre-backs uh, Yota Sato has gone to Urawa, and uh, Kwon Kyung Won was released. Uh, the central midfielder Yuki Yamamoto has gone to Kawasaki. Uh, the right-back Ryu Takao uh, to, up to Sapporo. Musashi Suzuki has also joined Consadole uh, on loan. And uh, Hiroto Yamami has uh, headed to Tokyo Verde on loan. So all of those outs, uh, Johnny, um, I, I imagine a couple of them were uh, very painful to see uh, leave the club. Um, I think, you know, in terms of nostalgia, of course, like Fujiharu leaving was, was a sad one. And at the end of last season, he um, he did a speech in front of the, 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 the ultra supporters behind the goal after the VCL Kobe game. That was very emotional to see, but I think that the other departures in terms of what they brought to the, the team last year, the, the only one that really stands out, like it was a, was a nailed down starter, was of course Yuki Yamamoto, and I, I know we got we got a question in from one of the the patrons, and yeah, and this is this is an interesting one because as you, as you mentioned, Gamba have been like slumming it in the, the bottom half of the league the, the last three seasons. So this is a move that I think was, was coming for a few years. You remember Kawasaki was sniffing around Usami a couple of years back, and I think Marinos moved for, for Kosuke Onose after they won the league under Ange Postacoglu. And Gamba are a bit big, rich club with you know a bit big fan base. Uh, a lot of players are tempted to, to stay at, at Gamba rather than moving to uh, other J1 clubs. So I don't. Alan might know more than me, but my kind of decade or so watching watching Gamba, this is the first time I can remember. Like I know there's plenty of players have left Gamba and gone overseas, but this is the first time I remember like a first team Gamba player going directly to like a, a rival club. So, I mean Yamamoto is very popular. He's very good at, at Gamba last year, 
um, and the year, years before that. Um, he's very popular with the fans. A lot of fans had his jerseys. I think he was quite active with some of the kind of fan service stuff. So very interesting to see the reaction when he when he comes back. I think it's in, in May they play uh, Kawasaki at home. Uh, I suspect there might be the, the odd boo or, or two, but. You know, the situation Gamba have been in, you know, I, I spoke to, to Neil Debenham because I think I think it's announcing Christmas Day and me and Neil exchanged uh, Christmas greetings. And of course, the subject of, of Yamamoto came up and I said to Neil, as I, as I still think now, honestly, if I was Yamamoto, I would have gone too after the last kind of few seasons Gamba have had. He's He's been at university, then he's, he's turned pro and he's not got long, he doesn't have such a long career. So he obviously feels Kawasaki's a better place for for his career to, to win win trophies and potentially to get into the, the national team. So, you know, honestly, I can't really begrudge him going. He, he is a loss, but yeah, um, he, he always gave his best for Gamba and I, I wish him well. But I mean, Alan, that, that kind of list of, of departures and any other names you'd pick out from there? And also, can you think of any other kind of first team Gamba players who have gone directly to rival other than, than Yamamoto? Well, that's a good question. I know it is popping out at me. Um... And unless you count uh, the, uh, the the loan of Ichimori to Yokohama Marinos mm-hmm. last year, that doesn't really count. I think. Um, I think the, the the big the big one that I miss will be uh, centre back Yota Sato. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably the player of the year in the university three or three years ago. Perhaps he was like mm-hmm. the player of the, the season in the universities or the defender of the season. He got some kind of award. And um, I saw him as a good one for the future. Uh, he started playing a little bit, and I thought he was an excellent player. Then he uh, dislocated his shoulder and didn't manage to get back. Uh, when he did get back, he hurt something else, and he just he was in and out. And then Gamba had like four or five centre-backs that they were rotating, which didn't help him at all. But I think he had a great future. And um, so I'm disappointed that he's gone, and oh, he's gone off to Urawa Reds. That's even more irritating. Um, Yuki, is, Yuki, yeah, I can't, I can't agree more with what you said. He's been a great player. He has a great potential, and he, hopefully, he, hopefully, he grows at Kawasaki Frontier, except when he's playing against Gamba. All right, so let, let's chat about the players that have come in then. And, yeah, we can get to uh, Nicholas Taylor's question uh, once I've run through some of these names. So, yeah, Sato's gone, and he was the other name I was thinking, yeah, might have stung a bit for, for Gamba supporters. But uh, Shinosuke Nakatani has come in from Nagoya, the uh, vastly experienced uh, centre-back, while uh, Takeru Kishimoto comes in from uh, J2 Shimizu at uh, right-back. Uh, also, at uh, another right back to add to the squad depth is, of course, Riku Matsuda, who has come over from Cerezo uh, along with Tokuma Suzuki, as we just mentioned, uh, talking about uh, Cerezo's departures. Uh, Kota Yamada from Kashiwa and Ryoya Yamashita from Yokohama FC arrived to add competition in attacking areas. As Alan's uh, mentioned, Junichi Mori went on loan to Yokohama F. Marinos last year, the goalkeeper. Well, he's back. And I'll get Johnny's thoughts on him because Johnny's got him ahead of Masaki Higashiguchi on his depth chart. So we'll yeah, we'll have a chat about that in a second. While a 20-year-old centre forward, Isa Sakamoto, back from loan. And so, yeah, these are ins. Alan, uh, Nicholas Taylor wonders, uh, Nakatani seemed like a big step forward for Gumba and their ambitions. However, losing Yamamoto seemed to suggest the opposite. So how do you feel these two transfers in particular will affect the team? So one uh, centre-back joining and one uh, central midfielder leaving. I think uh, Gamba lost uh, two quite decent centre-backs. Kwon Kyung-won never, just, never seemed to, to settle at Gamba, but he was an excellent player. 
um, with the right manager, perhaps we can get, get to that later. So uh, getting Nakatani, well, that was very ambitious. I mean, Nagoya Grampus were, as we say, there or thereabouts in the championship and Gamba were pathetic. Um, and they managed to grab Nakatani over, which uh, I, I like a lot. Uh, hopefully he has some support from uh, the rest of the defence and some defensive midfield. But losing Yuki Yamamoto was a big blow. Um, but I think overall it's um, slightly more positive than negative. I think the defence needed to kick in the backside and Nakatani coming in will hopefully do that if he can lead them to something. And I think that in Nakata, I mean, uh, Yamamoto played various parts of the midfield, but for me, he was an excellent defensive midfielder, although he seemed to play more in the attacking midfield often. Um, but I do think that both Dawan and Netalavi have what it takes to play very well in the you know, central or defensive midfield. And then Gamba have plenty of players that they can uh, they can play. And Tokuma Suzuki has some some promise there. Yamashita's there, as you said. And then they've got uh, I mean Hideki Ishige is a great player. I mean they've got they've got plenty of choice and. That is the problem with, with Gamba. I mean, uh, we'll come on to Vissel Kobe later, who are basically trying to build almost two teams so that they can go for cups on on uh, various fronts. But Gamba Osaka had enough for two very good teams last season and failed miserably to even make one. Um, so I think that they have the players. Um, Yuki Yamamoto is a big blow um, personally and for the fans and what he did for Gamba, I think uh, I'll miss him big time. But I don't think that the team will have any problem replacing him. So uh, overall, I think it's a slight improvement. Um, so thanks for the question. And Hakatani, good. Yuki Yamamoto, bad. But overall, it's slightly more positive than negative with Gamba. Right, right. Fair enough there. So, uh, Johnny, you can feel free to weigh in on uh, Nicholas's question as well. And then, uh, if you could, segue on to uh, Ichimori. Uh, you, as I said, you've got him... Uh, as the number one stopper in your depth chart, is that from uh, from uh, information you've heard in uh, in preseason so far? Is that just a gut feeling on your behalf, or um, should should I not be reading too much into that as we sit? Yeah, still a, a month before the season starts. Um, but ba- basically, what Higashiguchi is, is actually injured. I think the club announced he'd undergone surgery at the end of December. I, I know when we talked last year, I think it was when actually when Alan was on the, the pod, because he played against Hiroshima, but he'd missed training that week. And then I think it was revealed he was actually injured in that game. And then when Gamba were completely safe, they played uh, Keishikawa against Bissell Kobe and he broke his hand. So uh, actually in, um, in the training camp in Okinawa, Gamba have had Ichimori and they've had uh, Zhang Orin who's just come up from the youth team, and then they've had a couple of the goalkeepers who are still in high school has been their, their, their goalkeeping line-up for the moment. But I I think that Ichimori came back from second place Marinos to, to start at Gamba. I don't see any other logic in that, that happening. So I think Ichimori was going to start anyway, but Higashiguchi being injured probably has, has kind of like smoothed the passage. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably confident on, on Ichimori starting. I'll maybe get Alan to come in in that in, in a minute. And I think, yeah, the, the defence was, was horrible last season. So bringing Nakatani in, I think, is a is a big step in the right direction. Actually, I went to watch the training a few weeks ago, and he's taller in real life than I thought he would be. But um, they haven't made an official announcement yet about the captaincy, but Usami's been wearing the, the armband in in, the, in like the training matches they played over in Okinawa. So I think he'll stay as the, the official captain. But probably like last season, he, he might actually be on the bench more than he starts. So I think in reality, you'll probably see Nakatani uh, captain in the side more often than not. And I think Riku Matsuda, like, obviously Riku Handa's there, but I think Japan have got the, 
the under 23, the, the Olympic qualifiers in, in April and May. And they're in the same group as South Korea. So they're likely to pick a, a very strong team. So he's likely to be away with that and then away with the Olympics and potentially leaving in the summer. So Matsuda seems to have impressed by his kind of kind of leadership. And I know I know you don't like Matsuda so much because you saw him at the start of his career, Ben, at FC Tokyo. But he's very much the kind of elder statesman now. And I, I think that, that kind of triumvirate of uh, Ichimori, uh, Matsuda and Nakatani will really help at the back. And I mean, the player I'm most excited about, we talked about Yamamoto going, his replacement, uh, Kota Yamada. Um, I actually forgot to say to, to Ryo when he was on the, the pod a couple of weeks back, because when I was back in Scotland, I was waking up at god-awful times at 5 or 5.30 in the morning, and I'd check, check my phone, and then I'd see, oh, Ryo tagged you in a photo, says, oh, what, what Gamba player are we signing today? And I'd try and get back to sleep for an hour or so, and then the time I woke up, and, and Ryo had done, obviously, his always analysis, and he seemed to think that it was a very good fit. I know he, he runs a lot, his his defence is pretty solid and that kind of number ten slash inside half role Gamba have got. They tried Usami there. Um Yamamoto played there at times as well. They hadn't found a perfect solution. Hopefully Yamada is the solution. I really liked him when he was with uh, Peter Klimovsky and Yamagata and J2. In terms of like you know stats, goals and assists, it didn't really happen for him at, at Kashiwa, but um I think it, when Ihara came in he, he worked very well with Hosoya and it Although they're officially like four four two and Gamba written as four three three, I think the system is not actually that that different. They're both quite close to four two three one. So I'm really really excited to see what what he does. Um, yeah, Yamashita brings pace and aggression, which is something sorely lacking from from Gamba. Uh, I really like Kishimoto when he was at um, uh, Tokushima. I think him and Shimizu both kind of blundered with that that move. That was a that was a backwards move. Um, yeah, and Takuma Suzuki, again, like Kishimoto has played with Poyatos at, at Vortis, so I think he'll be good kind of like if Lavi's not there or Lavi's away for the Israeli national team. I think he'll come in and play a bit there. So, yeah, overall, and one of my favourites, Issa Sakamoto, is, is back from loan, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Might, might get him in the back of my, my away kit this year, but yeah, Alan, just, you know, do, do you see Ichimori starting ahead of Higashiguchi, and, and what do you make of the, the Kota Yamada signing? I can say uh, on the Ichimori case that I've cheated a little and I've asked some insiders about that. Uh, as you say, he has, uh, Igashiguchi had an operation on the injured knee on the 29th of December, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, injured it three games from the end, I think, as you said, and uh, but they waited for uh, some kind of, you know, I'm not a doctor, but uh, it needed to, uh, the swelling to go down and whatever else happened. Um, so they, they needed, a, well, in this case, it was almost a month before he actually had a surgery. Um, and they expect him to be back uh, early March. So Ichimori is definitely uh, the starter, pres- presuming the others don't get it. That is. So Ichimori will start, and I believe that they, at the moment, the plan is that Higashiguchi will be the number one, uh, mm-hmm. or would have been if he wasn't there, uh, if he wasn't injured. Um, but if Ichimori plays well um, and gets you know the first three or four games under his belt, uh, who knows what will happen? I mean, he's got. He did okay at Yokohama Marinos, didn't he? Um, he plays well. He, he's, he's good with the ball at his feet. Um, he's not quite as you know as, as exciting as Ikura, shall we say? So, <laughs> but, um, I think uh, Higashiguchi is, I think, 30, 38 this year. Uh, he's still a classy goalkeeper if he can get a decent defence in front of him. Um, so I think uh, Ichimori, obviously, he's going to start the season, and then we'll see if he plays well enough that then Higashiguchi will be. I'm sure he's going to be phased out the season anyway. Um, and I'm wondering if they're they're saving. 
Corsair Tani. Uh, she's still on, still away on loan only, so I'm wondering if they're hoping he'll eventually come back next season. But uh, that's for, that's for the part about a year from now, isn't it? So uh, yeah, Ichimori to start, but then I think the the pressure will do them good. Up perhaps. I mean, the fact that Ichimori starts and then Higashiguchi's around and and pushing him might help the team in the end. So that's 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 my take on that one. Just to point out, actually, Tani can play against Gamba. I believe that they haven't put the stipulations yep. in the contract he can play. So round one, he could be in goals against Gamba. Mm, that's what I heard. Oh, sorry, going back to right back that you mentioned, actually, that uh, I'm not too sure about Riku Matsuda. I believe um, Kishimoto also basically is a is a right back, and Shinya Nakano didn't get a mention, and he's a quite a decent right back. So. Um, Handa, I think they were planning for Handa. Obviously, uh, he's going to be playing in the hopefully in the under 23 or under 22 squad or whatever they call it at that time. Um, but also, Handa has been really trying hard to get a move overseas, and Gamba blocked it once, and then uh, and then there was one that they might have agreed to, and he got injured. So um, at the moment, I think they're they're planning for two reasons for Handa not to be at the club anyway. Um, I'm not sure that Matsuda is is the player. Uh, I, I don't shall we say respect or rate him as much as you seem to do um and i'm hoping that handa will will do well enough to uh to keep the place from south but i do like shinya nakano i mean it depends on a, again on the manager and what he can do with him but he was a great player i mean he played left back and right back and left midfield and and right midfield at sagantosu when he was at his peak and played for the under various under teams so i think gambra well in uh, it's the same again as last year. They have enough for two teams. They have mm. great depth. Can the manager do it? Yep, yep. All right. Well, uh, we, we've said that, uh, yeah, it looks like Ichimori will start the year in goal. But, yeah, Higashiguchi, once he returns from injury, uh, might uh, be obviously be pushing him for his place. So it might be musical chairs uh, between the sticks again for Gumba this year. And uh, maybe the manager, Danny Poyatos, will get uh, an itchy tr- trigger finger and uh, change his uh, change his goalkeeper like he changes his underpants. We don't know, but we wonder what sort of an itchy trigger finger that the Gumba front office has when it comes to Mr. Poyatos, now into his second year uh, in charge at Gumba. But, of course, yeah, the first one uh, went uh, especially poorly. And uh, Brett Bobby said one of our uh, patrons wonders how long or short of a leash does Danny Poyatos have at Gumba in 2024 brett goes on to add that at this moment he may or may not have them in the relegation spots of his j pred so uh johnny yeah i mean we spoke about poyatos and his position the three of us did at length uh, towards the end of the uh, the 2023 campaign we wondered whether poyatos would be kept on and the merits of uh, the the gumba front office uh, make coming to that conclusion well they have done and uh, poyatos will start the year but yeah it, it's a it's a valid question and one that i was planning to ask you uh, whether brett's <laughs> brett's question came in or not so um yeah how 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 short of a leash i think uh to be more specific do you think uh, poyatos has at the start of this year it's, it's actually it's, it's a tough question because yeah we, we, we had a deep dive with with alan the last time he was on and you know, Gamba start the season in a seven-game l- l- losing run, but Gamba, to an extent, they, they've made their bed. They've brought in a bunch of players to to work in Poyato's system, as I mentioned, like Kishimoto and and Suzuki. Um, that they came in and said that they came there because Poyato's was there and they wanted to play that kind of football. So they're built for a four-three-three. So I mean, you know, what, what do they do if they get off to a bad start? I, I know the 
former caretaker coach uh, Hiroshi Matsuda has come in in the off-season and he's now in charge. I think they're bringing all academy and first-team activities under one, one roof. So he, he's obviously there for the long term. So it would be very, very short term to parachute him into the caretaker role again. I, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, Looking at the, the first kind of fixtures, as we mentioned, it's, the first game is Matsuda away and we'll get on to match in a, a couple of weeks. I, I think there's going to be very different opinions on how good they are or, or otherwise. The, the one thing I do feel confident about saying is that it, it generally is a bit of a nightmare to play newly promoted sides in the first day of the season. So that's going to be a tough one. And then if they were to lose that opening uh, home opener of the season, be Niigat at home, there'll be big, big pressure on Poyatos for that one because the, the next week is uh, Marinos away. I mean, I... I, I it's difficult to say. I don't see Gamba losing all those three games, but if they were to start the game, start the season like you know three or four games and, and only one one point or so, then yeah, the, the knives would be out. But do they have a, a backup plan in place? I, I don't know. I, I'm willing to give Poyatos time. I, I think the ideas are there. Just the execution was was bad and. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened at certain times at the beginning of this last season where we're actually playing reasonably well. We just weren't getting the breaks. Then we started getting the breaks and beating everyone. And then it just went to, it went down the toilet basically at the end of the season. So, yeah, uh, I think I've kind of talked around the issue there. Uh, Poyatos is under pressure from the start. That That's all I really feel confident about saying. And then I'll, I'll kind of pass it on to Alan because I know you, you shared my concern about the, the direction Gamba were going under Poyatos. Do you think, would they pull the trigger three or four games into the season or will they get half the season? What do you see happening? I think the fact that they announced he was okay for the 2024 extension with five or six games to go last year and then they lost them all, mm-hmm. um, perhaps saved Poyatis' job because I think you know they announced him and then they lost six in a row uh, or whatever it was. I mean, terrible. Um, and the fact is that... Um, I, yeah, I think they're going, as you say, it's a, it's a long-term thing. And the fact that they held him after after such a bad season and such a bad end to that season, um, um, I think they're going to give him plenty of time this season to, to work it out. Um, I don't think they're expecting to win the championship. I think it's obviously a, a, a renewal and a, a revival of some kind that they want. So, as long, I mean, they've got to remember that three go down this year, I think it is, or mm-hmm. two and two under playoff. I'm not sure. I've, I've got to check up on that. But um, the fact is that they've shown faith in him. So it's time for him to, to do the job now, because as, as, as I keep saying, they've got plenty of decent players. They just need to make them a team. Can he do that? He's going to need a good start, I think. Otherwise, it's a losing habit that becomes, you know, just a habit makes it worse. And then somebody's got to do something. And uh, as you say, we have a, a director of football who, who could be ready to step in and help out uh, if necessary. But yeah, I think... I think they're going to give him perhaps too long a leash, shall we say. Um, <laughs> so those first four or five games are going to be very important. All right, Alan, I'll come straight back to you then. Who's your one to watch for Gumba in 2024? Uh, well, you want, you, want a, you want a negative or a <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say Corsair Tani, but uh, oh, wait, he's, he's got. <laughs> I think um, I think Jiro Nakamura is uh, a player that um, has he broke into the first team, I think, could even be three years ago. He came on. Uh, he was 16 years old. Uh, he came onto the pitch and within two minutes, he was pushing, I think it was, it was Sammy away from a free kick, uh, 25 yards from goal, to take it himself, which I thought summed him up completely. He's been a brilliant player when I've managed to see him. Um, unfortunately, he's had some injuries. And in fact, even now, he's had knee surgery 
So um, I know that Gamba had high hopes for him because uh, they refused to let him talk to plenty of teams, uh, mostly in Holland and Belgium, uh, within the last three years. Um, they've said they've said basically, no, you're staying with us. And now he's had a knee surgery. So he's going to have to prove himself to, to fitness before he gets a move. So I'm, I'm hoping that he either gets a chance to play a little, although there's plenty of choice in the midfield positions that he can play in, or uh, if he gets a, a J2 loan to get some game time and help him grow um, to become back a, to be a Gamba superstar or another one of those guys like Doan and Nakamura Keito who just play seven or eight games before they get taken away. So uh, Jiro Nakamura, although he's not going to be get playing much, certainly not for the first month or two because he's had surgery. But so Nakamura Jiro is my boy. All right, and uh, Johnny, who's yours? Uh, I'll go for someone that I mentioned earlier. It's a, a new signing, Kota Yamada. Um, yeah, I think he mentioned when he signed for Gamba. It was I translated from from Japanese. It said he felt really really valued by Gamba, and I I sort of checked because that, that sounded like if that was in English, it could be a bit of a backhanded dig at Kashiwa, but. Um, I checked with my Japanese friend, and she said it was actually it was all positive about about um, Gamba, and it seems like they, they've kind of researched him, and he he is the one they want for that that kind of role. It's kind of roaming behind uh, Jabali, the main striker, but also kind of coming back to help out with with like um, if it's Lavi and Dawan or, or whoever's in the midfield. So yeah, I, I think if he can get the, the goals and assists kind of rolling and, and helping out with with um, Jabali and Joanna Lano and. I actually didn't mention earlier that, I mean, Gamba look a bit weak on the, the left wing. So they, they do have one foreigner place open. So that if they were to use it, it might be in that area. But I think, yeah, Yamada is such a key role for Gamba in that Poyato system. So I, I think, yeah, he's been given the number nine. He's going to be a starter from, from the first day. And I, I look to see look forward to seeing the results. So he, he he's my player to watch. Is there anyone else you'd like to, to chip in with, Ben? Yeah, uh, mine is uh, one that you've just mentioned in passing, Johnny, and it's, it's the main striker, Isam Jabali. I was really impressed with him last year. Uh, the the stats don't jump off the page. Uh, five league goals in 29 appearances, uh, 24 of those were starts. But, um, yeah, I, I remember watching him uh, especially closely in the, the, the FC Tokyo game. And, he yeah, I mean, he's always uh, an impressive uh, player and yeah, yeah. Hopefully, some of these players that are coming in will be able to uh, to, to supply him with uh, a bit more regular ammunition. And I'd expect him to to get well into double digits in uh, in league goals in this campaign. So um, yeah, three very different choices there from the three of us. Uh, but uh, yeah, for uh, for Gumba, surely in 2024 the only way is up. If it's uh, if it's not, well, yeah, they'll be in uh, in J2 in uh, in 2025. But um, yeah, are you uh, allowing yourself to be slightly optimistic, Alan, when it comes to to Gumba this season? As you've said, um, and you've said a number of times uh, on your uh, your your recent podcast appearances, the players are there. They've got enough um, strength and depth to to field two. Uh, good looking 11s on paper, but yes, the the, the results just didn't come uh, last year. How are you feeling overall about Gumba and how far can they climb in 2024, do you think? Uh, as I say, it's all down to that manager. If he can motivate the team or make it even a team that's motivated, um, they have the players. And I think uh, in Matsuda, replacing Matsunami, Matsunami was sort of a, a just get the job done and uh, Mr. Mr. Gamba had been there all of his life and uh, didn't really seem to be too much uh, going on with him. Um, just solid. I mean, he pulled out plenty of young players out of the academy and did okay. But I think the fact that uh, Matsuda's coming and uh, Poyatas will know that he can manage also. Um, but Matsuda has some great um, 
shall we say, uh, well, he's got experience. Uh, he's got the contacts. He's not uh, pressured by outside agencies who are trying to get their own players in <laughs> to to drop some hints about what hasn't been going on at Gamba in the past. Um, so I think the fact that Matsuda is there might help Poyatos to sort himself out. And as I say, if he can, if he can make themselves make them a team, I think they have enough players to to come top six or eight, and that's very very optimistic. So it's down to the first five or six games for me. If he uh, if he manages to get three or four wins in there, I think Gamba can can build on that confidently and realise that they have got the players and uh, and speed up the table. Over to you. Mm, I'm k- kind of positive, but I'll explain why I'm I'm a bit hesitant. I think Manchester said that. Top seven or something, upper third of the league. He want he, he wasn't aiming for the title, but he was aiming for for a big improvement, like like Alan said. Um, Brett mentioned putting them in the bottom three. Again, football's not played on paper, but I think there's like five or six teams that are, look a bit worse on paper than Gamba. So, I I think Gamba are going to be stuck in in no man's land in the middle of the league somewhere. They they maybe they thought it was one or end of the other. One, one end of the table or the other at some point in the season, but I think generally they're going to be quite safe in, in the mid-table, maybe around 11th or 12th, I think would be my, my guess. So yeah, maybe a calm season without any relegation worries will, will do me good over time, although the, the prospect of such a long season just kind of floating along in the middle of the table doesn't seem too enticing at the moment. But yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle, well clear of the, the J-Pred. So what about yourself, Ben? Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, hopefully the the quality is just going to shine through, and um, there might have to be a, a difficult decision made on the on the coach at some point this season. But um, yeah, I, I don't think uh, relegation is is on the cards uh, necessarily. So I, I think yeah, maybe mid table, lower um, or top half of the bottom half of the table, if that makes sense. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think Gumba will be generally okay and. Um, yeah, hopefully just uh, more consistent for, well, their supporters first and foremost. All right, then. So uh, we've covered both Osaka clubs. And, gents, I'm going to make an executive decision because as we get on to uh, almost an hour of recording, it's I think it's pretty clear that we better separate these five clubs into two separate episodes. So uh, that will be the end of this uh, part 1A of our J1 season previews, both Osaka clubs covered. And coming to you very shortly, listeners, we'll have a part 1B where we'll talk about Kyoto, Kobe and Hiroshima. Uh, but uh, for now, yeah, we'll uh, leave this episode there. And uh, yeah, as I said, stay, uh, keep your ears peeled for uh, part 1B coming very soon. So we'll speak to you on that episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.